How you doing, Paul? I'm doing good, Open Mike Eagle. You said my whole name like I was in trouble. <laughs> I mean, do you like to be addressed as such on stage? Like, what do you like people to say? I don't know. I, I guess I don't even think about They're it. They're like, Eagle, Mike, open. Oh, like, that would be like... strange if they said it out of order. <laughs> I, don't even, I, don't, I wouldn't know how to accept that at all. <laughs> Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. This is Open Mike Eagle recording live from the internet. Y'all know me, though. Y'all heard my voice for a long, long time. So this time I'm coming back at you, but I'm not coming alone. The Black Prince, could I be right? I brought the legendary Prince. World-famous disc jock, inventor of the skit in hip-hop, and damn, we won a Grammy with Chris Rock, yeah. Motherfucking yacht, selling down the motherfucking harbor, right? Interview the man from here in computer land. I'm asking him questions on behalf of the super fans. Yeah, cause I'm one. And the answers are for everybody. He got stories, so I asked for one. We having fun and laughs cause he has a ton. Yeah, and like that, a podcast begun. Cause he answered, well, what had happened was... Ladies and gentlemen, out there on the internet, wherever you are listening on whatever device you're listening to, maybe it's old wired headphones, maybe it's some new AirPods, maybe you lost one and you're only getting only getting half, half of the audio <laughs> signal right now. This is what had happened was I'm Open Mike Eagle and I'm here with you with our esteemed every week guest, the one and only Mr. Prince Paul. That's right. In the place Maxon and relaxing. That's that's like 80 slang. Max. So what exactly was Maxon? Maxon is, is like chilling. Well, Mac like is it, it... it's like chilling and chilling. Like <laughs> Maxing and relaxing. You know, Maxon is when you got your arms folded. DMC run DMC. Yeah. That's Max. That's Maxing? Yeah. Is it short for like maximuming? Might be like almost like macking, macking. But, but, but you know, when you say stuff in the hood, you go maxing. Sounds <laughs> better because <laughs> it rhymes with relaxing. It does. And ask and axing questions. In axing, I'm axing <laughs> while I'm maxing. Maxing and relax. Can you max without relaxing? I think you can. Yeah. I don't know how sexy that would be. Well, you can't have your arms folded and be stressed out. Women That's do true. it all the time. Yeah, me too. I do that. <laughs> well, I, I do that. What the... Yeah. I have anxiety, so I could be maxed the whole other way. That's <laughs> why so they make Ritalin. Is that why they make Ritalin? I don't know what Ritalin does. I would assume it's for ADD. Okay. I've always heard that. I would assume so. Yeah. You have to Google that. I don't want to. <sighs> We're here to discuss your career your legacy, one project at a time. Woo. And now on today's show, we arrive at one that I'm very curious to hear your thoughts about. And that is 2003's Politics of the Business. Yeah, that this, this was, uh, man, that was a... Hmm. Mm, see, that's what I knew you was going to be making uh, noises this and is, stuff. <laughs> this project is very sensitive. Sensitive. That's yeah. what I feel like. This is a sensitive subject. Yeah. I'm going to be tiptoeing around, yeah. around these sensitive areas. D Trying to get you to talk pause. about <laughs> <laughs> still pausing, pause. I'm sorry. I have a son that says pause all the time. Does he really still? Yeah, and he's freaking turning 28. Wow. But he'll pause dumb things. I was like, yo, man, can I get that pencil? Pause. <laughs> I was like, you know, that's not pausable. That's with a pencil. Pause. Oh, so, man. Yeah. Sorry. It's, it's okay. Yeah. I'll grow up. No, you won't. 
Why is this project sensitive? This 2003 album that you put together and came out through Razor and Tie. Razor and Tie. What is Razor and Tie? Razor and Tie is a company that uh, you, you might be better known for like Darren's Dance Grooves. And, okay. You know, Kids Bop. Kids real, Bop. Yeah. Razor and Tie did Kids Bop? They did Kids Bop. Wow. So they get big monies. Yeah. Yeah. They, they do it. They, they make it happen, man. How did you get hooked up with Razor and Tie? Connect. Okay. <laughs> I, that's, I'm not going to say uh, all the names involved, but yeah, it was um, somebody who I worked with. Sounds very illegal. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> it was, it was, it was, I would have made more buddy. That's the real. <laughs> so it was illegal. You, uh, through a connect, get hooked up because this is, you know, and it's, it's interesting. It's one of your few albums you released kind of outside of Tommy Boy and that whole situation. Well, let's just start it with Tommy Boy. Ah, okay. And let me explain to you how that had happened. It, well, I finished A Prince Among Thieves. Mm hmm. And after Tommy Boy realized that the record became somewhat of a critical success, right, and they kind of dropped the ball on promoting it, it's like, hey, why don't you do another record like that? Oh, I'm like, it's, it's only it's like a once in a lifetime thing. Yeah, it took you like five years or something to put that uh, out. Well, it took me about it from inception to being finished, maybe like a year and a half. Okay, that's not five. The, at all. Yeah, the concept came out in the early '90s, but I started taking action later on. But anyway. I'm like, I can't do that. And then they proceeded to explain to me why they didn't promote my record was because... We'll get back into it in one second, but I need to take a quick moment and shout out our sponsor, DistroKid. Man, so many of my homies use DistroKid. It's a music distribution service that makes distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keeping 100% of their royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to put their music on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. A million plus artists, and I swear I know at least 100 of them. And now DistroKid has an app. You can use the app to upload new releases, see your DistroKid bank, and get notified when you've earned royalties. You can even check your streaming stats live. The DistroKid app is now available on iOS. Go to the App Store and download it. DistroKid also has a new feature called Instant Share that allows you to easily share large files securely with collaborators, producers, booking agents, managers, playlist curators, and more. Basically, anybody that needs access to your music, there's an easy way to upload it and send them a link. Go to distrokid.com slash instant share, drag and drop your files to upload, and then you can copy and send your link right there. It's free to send one gigabyte of files. That's like 100 MP3s. Don't quote me on that. Go to distrokid.com slash open mic. That's distrokid.com slash open mic. O-P-E-N-M-I-K-E for 30% off your membership. It's a singles-driven market. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to hear all that jibber-jabber, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just dead airspace. They want to get to the music. Wow. And I was like, oh. And then... There was, <laughs> I don't, I'm going to talk about this, I won't talk about the numbers, but I got beat on a technicality on beat. getting extra money. And this is for Prince Among Thieves? For Prince Among Thieves. Okay. And I beat myself, pause, because what I what Wait I a minute, you got to pause yourself? <laughs> I'm sorry. You can you can touch yourself, it's okay, Paul. <laughs> but not in front of others. <laughs> what you didn't actually do it. But I mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> just saying <laughs> well anyway i messed up my own situation it's one of those things like if i said 
hey, give me a, a glass of water, but I only want a half a cup. And if you give me this half a cup, I'll give you a thousand dollars. Okay. All right. And so what I do is I'm thinking I'm giving extra. So I give all these little cups of water <laughs> that adds way more than a full cup. Oh. And they go, based on the technicality, you didn't give us the specific half cup. But I'm like, I gave you way more than a half cup. Wow. Well, since you didn't give us this, we can't pay you this extra money because specifically in the contract. And oh, I was like, wow. oh. Wow. So consider that as songs. Right. You know, I, okay, that makes sense then. So it's, you have a certain amount of tracks, but they're not all music necessarily. Yeah. Okay. But but I give you so much more material, to, yeah. Everything, you know, it, it's kind of like what you're saying, but what I gave in was even better than that. Okay. So I got beat. It was almost like, I think like 50, 70 grand. Wow. Beat. Okay. Luckily, I wasn't counting that money, but I was kind of counting that money. Yeah, you especially know what once you realize you're not getting it. Yeah, I'm like, ah. Oh. So I'm heated. I'm heated and going into this next record. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to show them. I'm going to show them. I'm going to make this really silly commercial record but it's going to be my idea of commercial mm -hmm. at the time and it's going to be very sarcastic and it's going to be that that was my motivation right was i make a very sarcastic pop record okay as i say hip pop you know record and i'm going to hand this in so i'm making it for time when i'm driven i'm like ah and i'm making all these like really accessible songs in my head and, and you know okay i finished the record mm -hmm. tommy boy folds uh. <laughs> the Tommy okay. Boy folds. They fold and it all the stuff went to Warner Brothers. Right. So what happens in this scenario is if it goes to Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers has the right to pick up the option to pick up this record to put out, to put on another Wea label, whether it be Electra, whether it be whatever is on. Same thing that happened with Handsome Boy, right? Same thing with Handsome Boy. Right. Mercury. I don't, is Mercury part of Warner Brothers? I don't know. But whatever's under the Wea label. Yeah. So I have a meeting with Sylvia Roan because mm -hmm. she's a part of Electra at the time. I believe it was Electra and Warner Brothers. And I guess she's kind of going through whatever is done at Tommy Boy and figuring out if they want Electra or not. So I meet with her. Long story short, she had no clue who I was. Oh. And she argued too. She's like, I know who you are. Because once she asked me, well, when you rap on the songs, Ooh. and I was like, uh, I, <laughs> I don't rap. I know you don't rap. You know, it was one of those oh, things like it was, I, I was testing you. It was, it was one of those things that was just totally <laughs> off. And she's a very alpha woman. Okay. So there's really no conversation. And so I left the meeting. We'll get back to you. Right. Then I get the you know the letter in the mail. We will be not accepting your record. <laughs> and that's that's this one, Politics of the Business. That's Politics of the Business. So this ended up coming out in 2003. When did you actually finish it? Probably 2002. Okay, so a year later it ends up coming Yeah, out. probably around 2002. And if anything was recorded in 2003, it was probably just little skit pieces or okay. things that go in between. So they let it go. Yeah. Now I have this album, which, which I was thankful for because now I have this album that was paid for. Oh, because you don't owe nothing. I don't owe nothing. Okay. It was given to me. It's like right. a gift. Right. So now I'm able to take this record and shop it. Okay. And that's when it went to Razor and Tie. Razor and Tie was the better deal. I think Tommy Boy wanted to put it out, but they got to me too late. And then I was still kind of bitter yeah. from getting dissed. Is this a bitter record? Very bitter. It's very bitter. Yeah, it's very, okay. very bitter. And in some ways, I guess, artist-wise, it's good to kind of vent your feelings on 
wax. But I think sometimes when you have too much negative emotion, that could come back on you later too. And and then once you get happy and you look back at those things, and then on top of it, at it not being successful, <laughs> it feels really bad. <laughs> you know Grave Diggers, I was like angry and hurt and upset. And I was to it, I'm like, oh, okay, it had mild success. You know what I'm saying? But this was just like, everybody took it very literal. Like, yo, yeah. Paul's trying to sell. He's trying to do your why did that does sound like Prince Among Thieves. And, and I'm like, it's, it's, a, it's, I'm kind of making a parody of, no, you're not. <laughs> you try to get in on the money, kid. And I'm like, no, no. And then everywhere just got shot down, and rightfully so. Do you feel like Razor and Ty got what you were trying to do with it? Yeah, I think Razor and Ty got it, but it's hard to promote something like that. You what know what, what makes it hard to promote? Because, you know, hip hoppers, as time goes on, they're not as tight as they used to be. Like before, it's like, yo, keep it real. It's got to be this, got to be that. Da, da, da. And everybody wants to like kind of, you know, debunk everything. Where now everything's a little more lenient. Like, okay. nah, hip hop, schmip hop. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> no, th there's really no law yeah, anymore. All the lines are blurred. There's no yeah. rules. Before, it was very like, you keeping it real, you keeping it fake. Or, you know, there's always like, the underground was so strong, and then, you know, whoever listened to Puffy was whatever, but then you got people kind of blurred the lines a bit. Now it's just all It's all on the table. Yeah. yeah, it's just, you know, and so it's kind of like, who do you market it to? You mm. know what I'm saying? When it's so divided like that, you know? So the people who ended up hearing this that were fans of Prince Among Thieves, they didn't really get it in the right way, or they took it so literally as to not really it's, engage with it? It's not a Prince Paul record. Huh. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's not a Prince Paul. And I could see why. It's almost like when Dela, when we parted ways, we slightly worked on Stakes is High together, maybe like the first couple songs, mm -hmm. and then they just kind of parted ways, and then they did something different. Well, a lot of those records that embodied me, all the little silly stuff and skits and da-da-da, I just went overboard. I was like, this is me. I'm really going to imprint my personality and everything. Right. On this thing, I went away from that. There's little skits and sketches in between, but they're not really that funny. They're it was not, more bitter, funny, right? And you it's, it's not you creating like theater or creating like a like a like a theme to tie everything around. It's just kind of different ways for you or other people you got involved to express like bitterness towards yeah. the industry. Yeah, industry. I mean, everybody. And it was just bad energy. There should have been like for every yin, there's a yang. Mm. That should have evened it out a bit. But I was so one sided on, you know. I'll show them, like as <laughs> as the motivation is for all my records. But I kind of I went the wrong way on this, and I, I'll admit it. I'll admit it. So you say, you know, part of your approach was trying to make an album full of songs that's more accessible. Yeah, that people can easy um, arrangements, hooks. Okay. You know. So what would you say guided how you went about making the beats, like specifically, like to to say what you do and say, no, I'm going to make that more accessible. What did that mean? That meant less sampling. Huh. And more keyboards. Okay. Especially during that time, because everybody's going keyboard kind of heavy. You know, us keep it real guys, like the premieres and Pete Rocks and, the, you know, the large professors and Diamond Ds and stuff. You know, we, we're sample based. Right. So I got away from that. And I wasn't even doing like funky keyboards. Like, you know, you got somebody, let's say like Dr. Dre. Right. Or you even got like Nerd was just starting to kind of, you Ooh, know, Pharrell, Leia Pharrell. Check. 
but you know, I was on some like, yeah, man, I'm going to use these little cheesy sounds. It's not like nowadays you could open up a laptop and everything sounds mad cool and you can <laughs> control everything. Then you knew that was a keyboard, right? Listen to Swiss Beats songs. Yeah, you can then. hear you can hear the guitar, the Casio. Thing, yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? yeah. And I wasn't sitting there like sweeping filters and stuff. I was just taking like you know like and like, really getting to the brain of this outboard rack. Yeah, I was just like, oh, that sounds good. <laughs> going for it. I'm going for it. I'll EQ it later. You know what I'm saying? So. You have Premier on here and, you know, he states an opinion. Like, his thing he's talking about is how, like, the whack hip-hop, like, it's time is up. We're about to bring it back into balance. Like, the dope, we're bringing the dope shit back. The dope shit's coming back. And I remember, I used to feel that way, too. I used to always feel like there was this great reckoning coming right. where, like, you know, dope shit was going to be front and center <laughs> and then the commercial shit was going to die and, and, and that shit never really happened. But have you ever thought about it that way? Like it was some balanced thing where it was like, okay, we're in this era. It's going to swing back to this other thing. Did you ever see things that way? With a lot of my contemporaries, I, I hate to say this because it's going to sound really messed up, but I just never took stuff as serious as they did. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like I love music and I fight for the music. I always fought for hip hop. Like, you know, I told you like the eighties was like the civil rights movement of, of hip hop. Cause we had to stand for its respect. But at the same time, it wasn't like everything that's about me. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, I love the music. I'm not going to stand in front of a gun <laughs> for the music. <laughs> right. You know, I'm, I'm not going to like, man, mom, I really love you, but if you don't accept my shell toes, we can't really just get, you know, I, it, it's, it, it right. wasn't that serious to me. I hear you. You know what I'm saying? My love for music in general was more important than anything gotcha. and just certain levels of morality at the time. Right. Which I've learned, and it, 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 which is prevalent on the song. I should have learned it by that point because I was, what, almost 15 years in or whatever at the point, almost 20, whatever, is that you can't be moral in a in a business that has no morals. Hmm. So I, I can't get there and like bring you flowers and you trying to shoot me. Like, right. it, I, you know, it, and it makes you change. It makes you pull out the guns. Like whoever you were initially, you kind of adapt to the situation. So you can't sit there naive and you can't, right. oh man, hey man, I trust you. We don't need to sign this. Let's shake. And you go, yeah. It doesn't work like that. Right. So I came in like that and I've always been that way and, and which makes me susceptible to being vulnerable in a lot mm -hmm. of things. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And being, you know, cause you're nice. You're like, oh. But then you realize it doesn't work like that. And by this record, I think I just done had it. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, when you're making this record though, you're coming off of a run Let's talk post-psychoanalysis, which was a record you made because you were like, fuck it, I'm about to quit. I'm going to hang it up. Oh, I'm yeah, going to make yeah. this record. Yeah, like, I'm going to go out like this. Yeah. And that ends up turning into Handsome Boy Modeling School and ends up turning into the deal that makes Prince Among Thieves. That's part of what even gets you working with Chris Rock yeah. for this run of like Grammy winning. So like with that success, like what was it that, that was like making you so bitter at the time, you think? Like what, what was that? What was I, bringing that up? I think, I think a lot of it is... Cause I put a lot of my heart and soul in a Prince Among Thieves. Like mm -hmm. that took a lot of work. I was coming up off a lot of things at the time. I was fighting for custody for my son. I had lost custody. And then in time I had won custody, which is very hard for a male, especially in my, in my profession, mm -hmm. or I should say our profession. So it was a lot of emotions. So there was a lot of emotions put into that project and a lot of time for somebody to go, yeah, it's cool. Mm. And then it's one thing to say that, but man, now it's doing really well. It's, you know, spins album of the year, you know, one of the top albums. It's all of this, everybody's top albums. Mm -hmm. Even to this day, I look at, at charts, it's like, man, Prince Among Thieves is, 
out of uh, top 100 or whatever, it's 100 or whatever. You know what <laughs> but it's, it made it. You right, know what I'm saying? Right. For them to go, oh, man, yeah, we had, uh, yeah, we kind of messed that up. Mm. Uh, you know, do it again. So I was hurt because yeah. that was like my heart, my soul. Because you know, when you make a project or especially one that is personal to you, that's like almost like people looking at your diary. It's and, a piece of you. Yeah. And when they judge your work, it's like judging you. And you can you can take that personally. You have to in some sense. And you understand, I was going through something that was super sensitive at the time. I was just full of emotions. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you know, not to get too personal, but I was going through a bad situation and relationship I was in. You know, it was just everything. So I put this out there and then all of a sudden I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yo, it was the worst. Tommy Boy had paid for the album to be produced. Yeah. So there's a lot of features on yeah. the album, a ton of features. You got a fantastic list of rappers that really came and killed it. You know, you got Guru, Tash, you got the Beat Nuts, Master Ace. Like, was it any, like, headaches in trying to pull these people together? It seemed like there's a lot of different rappers from different spheres. I know you right. probably got relationships with all of them, but since this is a record that you're making when you're not, like, in the greatest space, was it hard to, like pull all of these rappers together? Actually, it wasn't. Nowadays, it, it would be. Huh. But it helps. Success always helps. One, there's a, a bunch of things, facts. I'm not going to say just that. It's having good relations with people and you know being genuine. Having a certain amount of success definitely helps. Having a budget really helps. Right. And then if you put those three things together, <laughs> you tend to get yeah. tend to get good results. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. You know, I mean, having all those things made it happen, you know, for me. I didn't have a great budget, but I had a decent budget. I think I wanted to get Cool G Rap on the album, but I couldn't afford him. He was too expensive, and huh. I, I wanted to get Wise Intelligent. Word. And that's the thing that goes against you, too, because once people think you have a certain amount of success, they think you have a certain budget. Right. You know. So then they think they're shorting themselves unless they say a certain number. Oh, yo, man, I want 30 grand, I want 30 grand, I want 50 grand. I'm like... What? What do you think? I'm, are you serious? Well, you got to, you know, grab you, Chris Rock. And you got to, but it's not like that. You right. know what I'm saying? And so certain people, you know, certain situations I was getting hit over the head and I was like, I can't afford it. I was like, well, if there's something, I get a project that I can't afford, I'll, I'll kind of get at you. But the people who I've got on here, I was more than happy with. It. And I was very grateful that they even wanted to be a part of it. Was there any sort of guiding principle to like you giving people? rapper's direction on what they should write about. Cause it's not really like as much as it's from a bitter place and like the skits are very much like anti-industry at the time. The songs themselves, a lot of them just barring out. You know what I mean? Was there any direction that you gave to them? Like, you know, what kind of songs or what kind of lyrics you were looking for? I just gave them a title. A title. So you gave each song a title? Yeah. Okay. I had a title and I was like, this is the title. I know I might go, this is how I feel about it, but your interpretation, I don't want to tie your hands. Okay. And, and as whereas if anybody who has worked with me in the past, they'll go, I'm on you. Nah, 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 uh-uh. Sadat X on oh Prince Monk that wrote, wrote a whole verse, and I'm like, nah, man. Mm-hmm. We recorded everything. Can you go back and do it again? And he was nice enough to do it again. That's what's up. But that's how tight I was on concept and, and you know, and control, and it has to be this, and this is my vision. And this is one time I, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna chill out. Let me not be that way. Hmm. What was it like for you to hear that result versus the other way? Like to hear, you know, if you're just creating a platform, create, giving rappers a title and just hearing what they do, did that feel like very different in terms of getting the results back? The results, kind of, yeah. 
I trust rappers and rappers' ears, mm -hmm. you know, and that's part of the reason why I work with them. But I think for my vision, when it's my record, if it's their record, it's different. Right. If, I, if I'm doing, uh, you know, we're doing a record together and it's your concept, your whatever, I'm listening for style, I'm listening mm -hmm. for this, I'm listening, you know, if you're on, off, what's catchy, what's not, what's this, you know, what we could throw away, but I'm not gonna tell you what to say. Right. But if it's me, and it's my vision, I really need, not, no, no, because I can't rhyme. You know, right. not, not for real rhyme. You know, <laughs> it's like a fake rhyme. Will rise, not fall. Yeah, yeah. Definition, hey. principle. And that was written for me. You that know, shit was so. hard, though. So I think in, in those scenarios, that's when I hear the difference. If it's my record, I definitely hear the difference. You have a joint on here. Actually, it's a title track, Politics of the Business, which is Chuck D and Ice-T. But instead of them doing verses, you kind of just got them having a conversation it seems like a snippet of a conversation they're having about the business yeah what made you decide to go that direction with those two i've developed a relationship with both of those guys i've known both of them since the 80s i've toured with p me and chuck had great conversations outside of just you know not just hip-hop but just in general ice t same thing been on the road with him hung out with him always been the same guy, like despite what his success is. And that's what I like about those two guys. So they're easy to talk to. Mm -hmm. So them being in the business this long and being very knowledgeable, I went to both of their houses and interviewed them and asked them certain questions about the music business. Okay, word. And so separately- So you was podcasting before podcasting. Oh man, yeah. I, I still <laughs> I still got, and it's on, um, what do you call those? The, the, the flat disc? Not the mini disc. Mini disc. Mini disc, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I still got them on mini disc, the full interviews and release the archives, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it's me talking to Chuck and me talking to I see what Ice T's spot in Jersey. Yeah, it was it was cool. It was cool, and just interviewed him, and then took all the pieces and chopped them and put it to the beat. Yeah, okay, that's dope. Because it sounds like flying a wall, like you're in a room with them talking, but it's just how you put it together. Yeah, that's yeah. Good. I tried to you know didn't want to make it mean, but I just wanted to make it informative. That was dope. Anybody who gets in this business and lives off of it is living a miracle. They all been fuck the music business, man. Fuck that. And I said, well, you just can't say fuck the music business. You got to get it where you fit in and understand what you're getting. I'm, I'm Another thing on here that I really dug was um, at the end of Original Crime Pays, there's this little uh, skit called Ralph Nader. You have somebody that called you to tell you they was doing a DJ gig at Madison Square Garden for Ralph Nader. <laughs> oh, that, that was Mr. Lynn. That was Mr. Lynn from <laughs> yeah. Company Flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Is that, was that a real story? Yeah, that was real. See, we, I need to play a little bit of this. I think this is, uh, this is genius. Yo, Paul, what's up, Lynn? Supposed to be uh, performing at Madison Square Garden tonight. He sounds so unexcited about performing at Madison Square Garden. <laughs> and, uh, it's Len's cool. Dude, Ralph Nader. I love how he said Ralph <laughs> Nader. Uh, like third party, like presidential candidate, something stupid, blah. It's <laughs> the whack part, man. They want to my turntables. What crap is that? To Madison Square Garden. This guy's running for president. He can't rent turntables. <laughs> and he's going to run the country? Come on. But yeah, if you want to come through, I'll uh, make sure you're on the list. Chat with you later, homie. Chill. That's amazing. <laughs> I love Mr. Lynn. M Mr. Lynn is like talking to myself. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like, we sit there and the sarcasm level is high. And, 
Yeah, yeah. It, it, I've it's, never heard the name Ralph Nader said with such disdain. <laughs> Ralph Nader. Well, maybe if he rented the turntables, <laughs> he would have had a different response. But imagine that, really. We're talking about, and during that time, where rental companies were all over the place, and right. you got to lug. You know how heavy 1200s are? Yeah. And a mixer. You got <laughs> Madison Square. <laughs> Madison Square Garden. <laughs> you got to walk through security. Ah, oh, man. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> well, what had happened was, you know, you make this project and you said you're trying to make more accessible songs. And a lot of this stuff is kind of like radio ready. You know, it seemed I like, like it. I think so. I think uh, it's cool. Was it worked that way? Did the label try to like service these songs to radio and see what happened? Did that, did that yeah, marketing I think, happen? Yeah, I think everything got serviced to everybody, mm -hmm. you know, and they were like Prince Paul. And <laughs> Now, if I would have took another identity, mm, if maybe Chess Rockwell had put this together, yeah, I mean, not even Chess Rockwell. He's not even, you know. If I would have put, uh, what's a good name? Give me a, a slick early two thousands name. Don Cappuccino. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's say Don Cappuccino put it out, right? That joint would have like, oh, oh yeah. Even though you could expect anything from me, I still have a certain kind of, you know, people don't take me serious. Okay, so, so he, like a reputation, maybe. Yeah, it's like we know when when Risen when we did the Handsome Boy thing and I had somebody do Heinz do an impression of him. He said he'd be mad, but it would normally other brides would be mad. But ah, oh, man, it's Paul, right? You know, so I, I have this certain yuck yeah. yuck sarcastic <laughs> reputation. So you said that this album, like when you think about it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like a success in most ways, right? No, that's why when people when I get you know, I like whatever song, oh, I like, but I'm like, really. <laughs> You know, like the way you put it together, if it was successful, what would that have looked like? You think like you, you're making kind of like a sarcastic, cynical hip hop album that you also see like, you know, could be accessible by people. Like what would what would success have looked like for this? Project? Man, if I was to guess, uh, my bank account would have been a lot nicer. That would have been the first thing. <laughs> Word. Uh, of creatively, I wouldn't have done more of the same thing. Mm -hmm. I, I've still... It would have gave me access to make more music. I see. Because <clears throat> once you make a record like this and it, there's not too much success, there's not too many outlets I can make records for anymore. I know? see. At least with a budget. I'm talking about a budgeted project. Not like, you know, man, you know, my homeboy's going to put out Joe Schmo Records. And remember, I gave you the three things that kind of helped you get the artist you want in the album. Yeah. Once you take away the budget. <laughs> yeah, the other two. You, you put too much pressure <laughs> on the other two things at that point. Now, you know, now now I just get my homeboys. Like, yo, man, you, go, you know. And so the talent level kind of suffers a bit, you know. You directed these songs by kind of giving rappers titles for the songs and having them write the song. Well, clearly that didn't happen with the last song on here, which is titled Chub Rock, Can You Please Pay Paul the $2,200 <laughs> you owe him? <laughs> oh, oh this, yeah, that, yeah, that, you know, and I know, I know, mm. speaking of sensitive, yeah, we don't want to get too far into the story. Yeah, I don't want to. I mean, that's a great song, by the way, too. It's it's him and Wordsworth and Doom, you know, and that's yeah, it's a great song. Chub Rock is so dope, he's so sick. That's what really makes the whole thing hurt. It's like, yeah. he's so talented. I'll never take that away from me, even yeah. though I, you know. I got done dirty. I still would never take away from the fact that he is one of the dopest underrated rappers of all time. He's really dope. Yeah, he's amazing. Speaking of amazing people, you have Dave Chappelle beginning oh, and ending. Oh, Dave project. Chappelle. This is now keep in mind, people. This is Dave Chappelle before the Dave Chappelle show. It was so, probably like that year or something. Yeah, right? 
because it was when Dave Chappelle was accessible for you. Right. Well, right. I'm like, man, let me call Dave real quick. Yeah. Hey, man, what's up? Hey, what's up, Paul, man? You know, we have a conversation now. I wouldn't be like, what? You know, I don't but, know. Both of y'all got big arms now. I don't know. I feel like I feel like y'all can still be cool. You know, except I don't smoke. <laughs> <laughs> I met Dave working with Chris, mm-hmm. so that made it easy. So right. we already established in not a crazy relationship, but a relationship. And same thing. I got the audio from that whole session of me and him talking to me. Like, yo, I need you to say this. I need you to say that. All right, this is this is. I I fed him lines. Yeah, and he just embellished the lines. Let's play uh, the intro. I think it's and actually wait hold yeah. Th- this whole thing was actually a reenactment of the conversation I had about a prince among thieves and putting out the new record. So it's kind of making fun of that conversation. Well, we'll hear it, and I want to know who that conversation was with, if you will <laughs> say. But uh, here we go. The saga continues. Hey, Paul, this shit is blazing like a motherfucker, man. Got my palms at you, nigga. Yeah, so you like it then? Like it, shit. I love this shit more than pussy on a tris. Delicious. It's going to sell. Uh-huh. <laughs> what can I say, Paul? You're a genius. Oh, come on, man. Stop me? gassing me. Yo. I love you, dog. Just need to figure out a few marketing strategies for the new album. All right, right. We could do this. Could you know, maybe we could cross promote with that new Carl Weathers back to the 80s oh, album series. Oh, with this joint? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. So in the meantime, why don't you go down the hall, get my assistant star Keisha all your album That's info and shit, and let's get this bitch yeah. rolling uh-huh. today. Get on the phone. Oh. Call Larry, man. Let's get this shit moving. Oh, yeah. One year later. Hey, Paul, all right? Who would have known that this shit wouldn't have sold? I'm sorry. <laughs> but I thought you liked it, though. Liked it, schmiked it. It's all backpacking music. I feel like <laughs> I go double wood with that shit. Double bar doo doo. I mean, like. This ain't the fucking 90s, all right? So why don't you go out there and get some help? Some counseling or something and stop bringing me these fucking whack ass <laughs> records and bring me some shit I can sell. It stinks. <laughs> what do you want? Excuse me, sir, but I need the names for the Carl Weathers Platinum Party. All right. Yeah, okay. Put, um, I don't know, man. Put Brandy on that shit. And uh, Ray J. I like his little motherfucker. He's cool. Ladies and gentlemen, man, put on him, motherfucker. welcome uh, to Politics of the Business. Whoa. I haven't listened to that. Probably since I made it. That's great. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's another it's another one of your, you know, skit pieces that perfectly inform the listener like what the spirit of the album is. You know what I mean? It really sets the table for it. Well, in hindsight. <laughs> then people like to get serious, it seems. You know. So that was a reflection of the conversation that you had with Tommy Boy about how excited they were about Prince Among Thieves. And then is that what it was reflecting as any story as you could tell by the wu-tang saga that's on yeah. uh, hulu right now yeah. that you're in <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is totally wrong it's i was very wondering about that too everything's embellished of you course. know what i'm saying so that conversation i was was embellished and and for entertainment purposes i kind of just threw some things in there but that was the initial gist of it you know it was like i went in like hey like oh man we love to recommend we're gonna do it and then it's like, oh, sorry, man. Mm. You know, and that's the feeling I got. And it was my onset to make politics of the business. Right. So it, it, it's really exactly the flow of it. Uh, I won't say who I had the conversation with, but I'll just say Tommy Boy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because I love hate with Tommy Boy. I, I love them because they give give me all this opportunity and and I, you know, and y'all have put out some successful, oh, some great records, you know, successful projects. I, I just think the business behind a lot of it is just always not been the best, right? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it at that. You know, <laughs> they got their own set of problems to deal with right now. You know. So you ended up doing an updated version of this that you put on Bandcamp about a year ago, right? Yeah. Well, what I did was I just remixed it and gave it away for free. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't sell it. You know what I'm saying? Right. And it was just like, almost like a, a mixtape of what I would have done differently. And, and what it just, if you can describe to people like what some of those different kind of choices would have been. It's just, just the music itself. Mm. Like, you know, where I said I was using keyboards and I was really kind of just mimicking what I heard on the radio. Maybe not the actual songs, but just the song structures of mm -hmm. hook, verse, this, that, you know, twinkle little like uh, key sounds, ding, 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 you know. I just strictly just, you know, went for loops mm -hmm. and just kind of just rugged scratches on records and, you know, made it dusty. Mm -hmm. uh, and that that's what I would have done if I hadn't got in my emotions. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, as you get older, at least as I get older, I know when I'm in my emotions and I have to talk myself. I was like, Paul, you're in your emotions. You're in your emotions. Calm down. That's with everything. Calm down. All right. And then reevaluate it and then do something later. But I, I held on to those things and just kind of uh, came up with that record. Now, if I wasn't in my emotions at the time as much and more in, in my soulful creative space mm -hmm. and not in my head space, I would have made the idea that I put out on Bandcamp, which is called The Redux. Okay. I'm going to make sure to check that out. When you're talking about like the emotional space you're in when you're making a project, it makes me think about when you've talked a few times about the Psychoanalysis album and how... When you were making that project, you were ready to quit the business. Yeah. You were ready to, you know, you were going to hang it up, you know, take the jersey off. You know what I mean? It was going to be over with after that yeah, project. Yeah, I, I was dealt my hand. And then that ended up, you know, becoming that project, which ended up opening a bunch of doors. It seems to be some relationship to the space you're in with this one. Like, not maybe necessarily like you're going to retire, but it was like this kind of, like a, like a darker space that you were creating from. Like, what do you... What do you think the difference was in those two those two mind states? If you look at the mindset you're in for psychoanalysis versus the mindset you're in while you were making politics of the business. I think when I made psychoanalysis, I didn't care. Mm. I was just doing whatever for me. For you. Strictly for me. Okay. When I was making politics of the business, I was thinking of other people and how they would <sighs> perceive it. Gotcha. And that always is not the right way to make records. I mean, at least... For me, I mean, nowadays, yeah, because everybody wants to make a pop song. Right. You know what I'm saying? But I think when you want to make something that is time tested and that is true and that you could tell is really real mm -hmm. is when you kind of dig into yourself and, and, and you think about yourself and think about what you like and what moves you. and Because what, what, nine times out of 10, if something moves you and moves your soul, it's going to connect the energy, it's going to connect other people. Mm -hmm. Music's energy. Mm -hmm. Everything's energy, you know, and... and you listen to records like, oh, I can tell we're trying to do this. They're trying to, because back in the days, especially in the 80s, every rap record had a reggae song, a club song. Yeah. A, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I know what they're trying to do. And you right. figured it out. And it just seems ingenuous. Right, right. You know, because so they're, they're, it's clearly that they're following. I think I, yeah, I think disingenuous. Yeah, but, disingenuous. But uh, like they're following a formula and not actually doing what they want to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and, and for the most part. So. And that's what I did on this record. I, see. I, I took a, an '80s type of <laughs> type of approach, you know, to something where you know, if I made something in my silly creative headspace, it might have been something different. What it would have been, I have no idea, mm -hmm. but it would have been something that would have emanated from you know my whatever creative side I would have been in, or silly side, or you know, spiritual side. 
Is it safe to assume this is not a project you go back and listen to a lot? Not at all. Yeah. I mean, I listen to it every once in a while when when I when I travel and in the rare moments when people are like, can you sign this? I'm like, you you have this record? Oh, I love this record. I love blah, 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 blah. I'm like, really? I might go back and listen to the whatever song they might mention and try to hear what they hear. Huh. You know? Sometimes when people like your music, at least for me, it makes me appreciate my songs a little more. Yeah, for sure. When people tell you the one thing, oh, this song got me through this. Or yeah. The, yeah. It does make yeah. you like, oh, you start to see see it a whole different way. Yeah, and that and and that's uh, very rewarding, as you know, for an artist. People are like, man, I was about to jump off the building. Now listen yeah. to Chub Rock pay me my toy tour. <laughs> and I realized I was the only one to get jerked. You know what I'm saying? And then they start feeling good. You know, <laughs> thanks, Prince Paul. And I'm like, man, you're welcome. That sounds like a hell of a skit, man. You might might need to do that one. <laughs> like somebody else about it, and then they say the whole title of the song. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. So, you know, I guess what I was trying to get at, if you had listened to it, was if there was something on here that you like, I like that song. You know what I mean? But I don't know if you even have that sort of familiarity with it to well, say. Well, you know what? what uh, I mean, there's a few things I actually like. I mean, it's funny. Listen to that skit with Dave Chappelle. I like that. That's, that's just great. It's pretty, <laughs> pretty funny. Um, when I work with W. Ellington Felton on Beautifully Absurd. Which was which is kind of like a folky kind of song, yeah, right? That, that's like indie that, yeah, yeah, that's totally out of, out of pocket of what I was doing. I just like the song. Yeah, it was dope. I'll give him a shout because it's very weird the way I met him. I did this gig. It was somewhere probably in the outskirts of uh, D.C. somewhere, right? And I did this gig. I got paid a good amount of money. Mm -hmm. And the promoter was going to be right back, right back to the hotel. I can't find him. So I'm stuck at this place. It's like in the middle of nowhere type place. It wasn't like, you know, oh, God. There was no lifts and Ubers. And I didn't have a number to a cab. I didn't know what to tell him. So I'm stuck. I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? I'm, oh, I'm going to get back. And this uh, guy comes up to me and he says, hey, uh, uh, you know, we start talking, whatever the case is, you know, about music and stuff. He's like, if you listen to my demo, I'll give you a ride back. Wow. I'm like, man, that's a deal for me. <laughs> him. Turns out as I was talking to him, I knew who his dad was. His dad, his dad was a jazz musician that I knew of named Hilton Felton. Okay. And if you check, you know, he has some breakbeats and stuff he made, but... I was a fan, so I knew his dad. I was like, oh, I know who your dad is. That's He's crazy. Da, 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 da. And so, long story short, we get in his car, and he plays me beautifully absurd, just um, with the- Like the chords. Oh, what? It was, I was like, what? You did this? I'm on, I, yo, if I ever find a way to put this out, I want to put it out. Damn. And so, it was a blessing on a, a couple of levels. Obviously, I got a ride back, because I had a <laughs> lot of money in my pocket. And, <laughs> And I got to meet a really nice guy, great artist, um, W. Ellington Felton, and I had to put a really beautiful song on my album. Let's hear a little bit of that beautiful song. This is a long intro, my friend. Might want to skip into it. It's atmospheric. <laughs> Yesterday, I fell in love again. But the game she played showed she couldn't be my friend. And now I know you can't fall in love overnight. Mama told me so. I never thought that it would happen to me twice. Once, twice. Will there be a third? Love ain't nice. Beautifully absurd Once, twice Will 
Yeah, that's hard. Yeah, man, he's he's really dope and really a good person, you know. And so that's a song that I I, I like that was on there. But that's more him than it is me. You and, know? and it was a wild choice to put that on the, on the, <laughs> on the album full of <laughs> commercial rap songs. Hey, man, you know, it's, it's my record. That's yeah. right. At the end of the day. At the end of the day, it's man, it's Prince my Paul record. Production, man. Yeah, damn it. Till the label goes, nah, kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we have successfully navigated a very sensitive <laughs> project. We didn't we didn't make you cry. We didn't make you throw nothing. Yeah. You know, we, it's we all bottled it. up, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I said? I said, Paul, you're in your emotions. Yeah. And then I went through this whole process of just you know, talking about the album. So Well, you know, and we did it. We're there. Um, <laughs> I think it's it's an interesting project to talk about in the context of your legacy, especially since we've gotten so deep into the the motivations behind the albums. It gives you a whole different insight on how to receive this one when you know the whole story. You know what I mean? Because yeah. other than that, it's like, it is kind of out of nowhere. Like, why is he a commercial record all the same? But if you look at it as a journey, you know what I mean? Starting with your entry into business, almost being out of the business, coming back, you know, putting all of your heart and soul in the Prince Among Thieves and the label kind of fumbling it. And then, you know, that it just makes so much of it make so much more sense. Yeah. It was like a, a bad kid. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I'm going to do whatever. You know what I'm saying? And now I'm going out. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, uh, I'm mad at my parents. I'm, I'm stripping. I'm, you know, uh, nothing against you strippers out there. Because now, nowadays, everybody's super sensitive. That's true. And sex workers will but, beat you up, man. Yeah, man. Look at strippers. Hashtag Prince Paul hates strippers. No, no. I love <laughs> strippers. Uh-oh. But I would Hashtag a, Prince Paul loves strippers. I, I, yeah, I would have been a male stripper, and I don't know how good that was. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how welcome that is, you hey, know. Man. Though I'm proud of my body. It hey. takes all kinds. You know, but, you know, it, it, it was it was just me retaliating. And, like, so looking back, it's like, you know, looking back on your life, if I did become the male stripper, I look back like, yeah, that wasn't a time I'm not too proud of. You know? <laughs> those <laughs> but, are my dark years. Yeah, those are my dark But I had to do what I had to do to get through those times. Word I up. had to pay the bill. I had to, you know, so that's how that project is for me. But it's not a bad record. Like, I listen to it, I'm like, man, it's not like it's whack. Like, right. that's one thing I won't make. I like, I make some dumb records, some silly records, some better than others. Some are just like extremely off the wall, but nothing that's like, oh my God, that is super duper yeah. whack, where there's nothing redeeming. Like, right. you, like, where you can't even find a snare in there. Like, <laughs> you know, there's something in that song that is okay or good, Word. but nothing that is entirely is whack from beginning to end. Not at all. I mean, I, I think. If you look at the skits, you look at the conversations on this thing, and the, the rhymes, the rhymes are crazy. Yeah, Everybody are on here was bringing, like, they murder bag. Like, I'm about to get on here and do this. You know what I mean? It, looked, it sounded like it, it, it had that energy of a lot of, like, older posse cuts where everybody's kind of maybe outdo each other. Like, it, right. that energy was, was very present, and the songs are very potent, I think, because of that, too, you know? Oh, wow. I didn't even look at it like that. But, yeah, I mean, they, yeah, everybody brought their A game, and, yeah. you know, and I appreciate that because they didn't have to. They just like, eh, man, F Paul. <laughs> Give me that check. <laughs> I want that check, kid. All right. Well, that's Politics of the Business. Uh, you can check that out on streaming services for the OG version. For the updated, the Redux is on uh, your band camp. You, got, you know the URL yeah. for that? No. Okay. Just well, look, look, up, at, just look up Redux and DJ Prince Paul or Prince Paul, and you'll find it. It has a, a Joker face 
one there. It's like my face, but as the Joker. All yeah. right. So you, that you, sounds you. very spooky. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and and it and it's free. You know, it's it's free. You yeah. So check that out. Get the whole story. You know, after listening to this, you'll be able to hear what he did on. You know, if you check the album on streaming services, and hear what he would have did on Bandcamp, which is, I think, you know, just adds to the context and helps tie it all together. But we made it, Paul. We hey, man. It. I, I'm a, I survived. You did. Okay. You ain't losing no weight. Not nothing. But, but I will go stripping after I get out of here. Hey, well, you know. <laughs> don't let us hold you up. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right, y'all. Um, I'm Open Mike Eagle, and this is Mr. Prince Paul. That's right. And that is what had happened was. Mm-hmm.